1: This is April 20th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins' Pete on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, hopefully enjoying the Bruins' resurgence here. And that was the topic on today's episode. Uh, Connor and I dove into uh, sort of how quickly this team has just com- completely done a 180. I mean, this looks like a completely different team than was on the ice two weeks ago. Um, and partially it is. You have three new big deadline additions and you got guys coming back from uh, being injured. So uh, the researchers of the Bruins, it, it was nice to talk about uh, positive things on this episode, and not be, you know, oh, look, they lost again. Oh, look, you know, should they go all in at this deadline? Um, so this was a fun episode. I think you guys really, really enjoy this one. Uh, before we get into the episode though, BetOnline is still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, football might be over, college basketball might be over, but the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Again, Red Sox are doing really well right now. The Bruins are doing really well right now. The Celtics are doing really well right now. Maybe it's time to place those bets on them. So make sure to go to bet online, use that promo code CLNS50 for that 50% welcome bonus. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
0: Evan, doing well. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's a good, it's funny. We're recording this in the middle of the Patriots day Red Sox game. They're killing the White Sox. Unbelievable. Yes. Red Sox team has made a full turnaround. Uh, now that, now it sucks though. The, the better the Red Sox do, the more justified the move is to keep them on Nesson and move the Bruins to Nesson. That is true.
0: One of the challenges of, uh, pushing the season back a little bit is now we have multiple Nessun plus games. So, even though at least when you're on Nessun or Nessun plus, when they say, you know, puck drop is going to be at, uh, seven on seven, seven Oh five, it's going to be the case. Not like when it's on NBC and it's a noon puck drop, but then it actually doesn't start until like friggin' 12, like, like 35, I think it was. So. Not ideal when you go on those national games, to say the least. Well,
1: Ty, Ty put it best. Like, he, I think he tweeted, like, I forgot that this was a thing. That's on me. Like, that, that's 100% just on me for forgetting. Another thing you forget is with because the Bruins and Red Sox didn't play at the same time in the spring last year, because obviously everything was shut down in April 2020. You forget, you forgot about the whole Ness and Ness and Plus thing. Like, yeah. that was, I totally forgot that that was a thing. That's why the first time it happened this year, I was like, oh, yeah, that used to be an issue we used to have. And now it's, it's back. I guess it's one of those issues like traffic that as life gets back to normal. You, you get used to again. So I guess we'll take the issues over the issues of last year. Um, But still nonetheless, kind of weird to see the Bruins get pushed to Nesson plus, even though they outrate the Red Sox um, on many nights. So there's that, (laughs) there is that. Presented, Um, presented
0: without comment.
1: But as, as the Red Sox continue to do better, so too do the Bruins. Four wins in a row for them uh, as of Monday. Uh, big wins too. These were not like small-time wins. He beat the Caps by a bunch. He beat the Islanders twice. beat the Sabres and the Anders, you know, the Anders Bjork-led Sabres. So it's funny because, you know, l- literally eight days ago, now nine for those listening on Tuesday, nine days ago, this season looked like it was lost. Eight to one loss to the Capitals. Uh, you know, terrible decor. Everybody was hurt. And in the span of like a week, you know, you acquire Taylor Hall, Mike Riley and Curtis Lazar in the span of like 30 minutes and everything just flips on its head. This is a, this looks like a whole new team. Are we reacting? Is it overreacting to say this team now looks, and we said this the whole time, they can get healthy. They'll, this it's a cup contending lineup, but they legitimately the past week have looked like a team that could make a deep run. Is it overreacting to say that?
0: Um, I don't think so in terms of just looking at how they're equipped to, to say that this is a team that if they get healthy should beat everyone in the East. I think, I think maybe the Islanders are your toughest out. Uh, I look at that Washington team and yeah, they've got a lot of offense and if you play them in a playoff series, one, I think the Bruins can beat them. It'd be unfortunate though, because you're probably going down at least two of your regulars, cause you're going to get the shit kicked out of you in, in that series. But Um, you look at that team though, like that decor, it's very slow. Uh, I think you can expose them there. Uh, as much as people want to say, I think the good and bad of giving up all those assets for Anthony Mantha and granted he scored what four goals in four games for them. That's great. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't you go get a goalie? Uh, (laughs) Uh, I, I still can't believe they, you know, obviously panicked and called up, uh, Eisenman and get that deal, but I don't know how you don't get another goalie to shore up that when you look at kind of just the state of that team. Um, but even if you want to weigh it against the the Islanders and whether the Bruins have a chance to beat them, um, I think you have to be encouraged by what you've seen lately from this team. And I, I think the way I, I try to, you know, assess this team and, and look at it through a lens is I think you have to project what this team's going to look like uh, two, three weeks down the road, right? Because as much as the Bruins are playing very well right now, you know, you've got – the Bergeron line doing its thing. You've got, obviously, the Krejci-Hall-Smith uh, line being, you know, they've been fantastic. Uh, as much as, you know, they're not scoring, uh, you know, the new fourth line with uh, Lazar has been very, very active. I think, you know, Chris Wagner, after getting scratched, has played really good hockey uh, over the last week or so. Goaltending situation looks great. But you look at this team, right? Are they even remotely close to hitting, you know, their ceiling? And I'm not, that's not to say that you need all of a sudden Charlie Coyle to be 2019 playoffs Charlie Coyle, right? But if you're getting just occasional offensive contributions from Coyle, DeBrusque, Ritchie, if uh, David Pastrnak just starts finishing more of his chances, if you get just guys back healthy, if you get, um, you know, that power play, uh, the fact that I think they've only scored three power play goals over the last seven games. And I think all three of them are from Craig Smith. So you're not even getting, you're not even getting power play goals from, you know, your, your usual guys. So you look at all those factors play into it. And again, it's not like you need those guys and all those factors to be pedal to the metal. Like, you know, the power plays at 33%. If you just, you know, regress back to the mean of what that team should be. I, I don't see how you can't be encouraged by what this team, how it's clicking right now, because they're beating very good teams decisively without having a lot of pieces still clicking right now, which I think is encouraging for the Bruins in terms of just building up their overall game.
1: And I guess what is scary about that though, is in past seasons, that's also been the case where the, the those secondary scoring, that secondary scoring has not performed as well. But again, now you have that Krejci line producing yes. because again, for so many years, that Krejci line wasn't producing. Mm-hmm. Now it's funny. You put two competent wingers next to Krejci and it starts producing. It's crazy. Whoa. Who would have foreseen that coming? Um, but I do think, you know, you mentioned the coil line that, that's still been kind of, you know, not really there, uh, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the D need to come back, you know, Brandon Carlo, uh, macros, like Kevin Miller, like when are you getting those guys back? But when you do against the team, if, you know, if you go into, again, if you go into the playoffs close to healthy, I, I mean, I don't see why they can't beat a team like Washington. Like, I think that's a pretty yeah. easy pick to maybe pick them over the caps. Um, in that first round, but again, you, you mentioned it perfectly. Who are you losing in that series? Are you going to lose Grizzlick because Wilson dumps the puck in his corner and puts him through the glass? Are you going to lose, you know, you know, it's weird. And, and I don't want to put bad stuff out into the universe like this, but I, uh, to, I, uh, I don't want to say it because I, because I know if it happens, <laughs> I'll get killed for it, but it, it just has the the writing on the wall. Maybe this is because I, it's like the Rick Nash syndrome from a few years ago, but it would just be so capitals to be the team that, like, takes Taylor Hall out, right? Like, I I thought yesterday afternoon, I was like, there's definitely a chance that Taylor Hall is going to be coming over the middle, going for a shot, and, like, Garnet Hathaway comes through with, like, a with, with just a fist or just hits yeah. him or something, like, crazy, or Tom Wilson, the same thing, because we've become so accustomed to it.
0: Well, I mean, how dare you, Evan, say such a thing like that? I know uh, Tom Wilson was so incensed that even people were bringing up the argument, even though... I don't know. Was that uh, an incidental play with Crowley? Yeah, it was un- unfortunate. You know, he was falling. What are you going to do? That's hockey. It's it's funny, though, how it always seems to happen to the same fucking guy, though. Right. And mm-hmm. it's always, uh, you know, the fact that the guy can't get afforded any benefit of the doubt when it seems to be the same player every single time or the same guy that cracked Brandon Carlos head against the glass when he could have just hit him right through the numbers. So that is just it, it's just crazy coincidence, Connor. Just, what are you doing funny. with this? It, it's funny how, uh, you know, he's not getting the benefit out, or we get upset when we can't, uh, you know, lead with the fact that, hey, Tom Wilson's the guy who let off the hit. You know, it, it's funny how it works out that way of this guy who always seems to be the guy Uh, you know, leading these hits that, you know, he's getting singled out for it. So not surprising. Uh, And I think that's a very real situation, though, of you play Washington. You're going to get a few guys banged up. I mean, look at, uh, you know, after the game on Sunday, Bruce Cassidy's biggest gripe was that Ovechkin hit, which was high. And McAvoy got back to the bench and he was steaming. Like justifiably so, Ovechkin then goes and complains to the refs on the other end of the ice when we should have been back checking on a March goal. so that was kind of funny. But uh yeah, Some that's leader. that yeah, that's the uh that's the Washington Capitals. That's what you go into that series expecting.
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny, I like I tweeted the, the clip of the hit. I tweeted Tom Wilson hits Sean Corelli right to the head. A fact. He hit him in the head. That is where his shoulder hit mm-hmm. him, in his head. No penalty called on Wilson. Which is a fact, by the way. No penalty was called on Wilson. The only penalty coming out of that was Jared Tenorti for roughing. Rightfully so. Tenorti did the right thing there. Like,
0: mm.
1: I would be incensed if I'm Corally or if I'm Bruce Casty and see that no one on the ice, like at least, goes after Wilson. And luckily, Tenorti was on the ice for it. But Capitals Twitter got a hold of it. It um, was and was just, you know, what? Delete this tweet. One woman was like, "Delete your account now." And it's like, what? you, you gotta, like yeah. honestly, it'd probably be more peaceful to be like, uh, be a more way more peaceful yes. life without Twitter. Uh, so maybe yeah. you're right. I, maybe I should. Um, but no, I, I the Wilson stuff's incredible to me. Um, it's not it's, even, incre- it's, I mean, it's just, it's so expected at this point. That, well, that's why it 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 it's, it's,
0: it's not even incredible. It's just, isn't it just a, such a coincidence it's always the same guy and that's why he, I don't he know how he, that happened the benefit of the doubt. And you,
1: of, got, and, and you got, and you got Garnet Hathaway, by the way, who looks like a Walmart Tom Wilson out there does yes. the same shit, but he's just way less skilled and nowhere near as good. Mm. Um, so you got that to deal with too. But yes, I mean, again, the Caps are big and slow. Uh, you, It's like you're, in some ways, in some ways, like you're playing the Blues from a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But at least the Blues were skilled, like somewhat skilled.
0: And I guess they, I mean, the Caps are skilled. Skill. They, they, they can Backstrom, score offense, but I think you can expose them down the other end. I mean, how many how many times in that game yesterday was uh, the front of the ice, you know, grade A areas of the ice just open? Oh yeah. Like no, uh, if you if you're just moving your feet, uh, which I think why you know getting a guy like Hall helps quite a bit. You can exploit that team like that D core, even guys that are very skill playmakers like Carlson. If you start moving your feet, you can you can get them on the heels. It's again you might be winning games six four six three, but you can get your your you know chances against that team. Especially again, I don't know how they didn't pick up any one of the multiple like rentals that were on the market. That I, I think that's mind boggling.
1: And amazingly to me, again, you can shoot from the outside because the goaltending is such a problem uh, that you know if you don't get to the great A ice, it isn't the end of the world. You can still get goals um, from other places. But I, I do, I, I do want to focus a little bit more on the Hall Krejci Smith line because this line is really buzzing. Um, in four games together, you got four goals, four at five on five, only one against. Um, generating way more op- offense, way better in the offensive zone. Uh, Krejci looks completely revitalized. Um, in every aspect, like power play that he had that goal Sunday where he just, uh, waited, waited, wait. I mean, it was just yeah. perfect. Like that's just such uh, typical, you know, David Kretschy that we've gotten used to. Um, but you know, it, it just goes to show you that like you just had to do this a few years ago. Imagine if David Kretschy played with a winger or, or two competent wingers like a few years ago, mm-hmm. not in the last year of his contract. Um, is I, I'm so curious to hear what you think about this because do you think this is that, that, that Taylor Hall move, the, the move to solidify that line, now you have a legit scoring top six. Is that enough to get you out of the East, out of the Final Four? Because, again, we don't know if it's going to be who you're going to be playing in the Final Four. But is that enough to get you to the Cup?
0: Uh, I mean, if they're playing like that, if they're playing like they've done over the last week, then that's all that's going above and beyond what you're expecting out of a, a second line. Right. Cause if uh, the Berger line is doing its thing um, and again, that's even with Pasternak still not really getting his scoring touchback yet. Right. We're still not at the point yet where Pasternak gets into that groove where it seems like he's over in the left circle. You've got a 80% chance that puck's going in the net. Right. We're not, we're not at that point yet with him and his game. So that first line could be even better, but the second line's giving you these kind of shifts. And I say shifts, not just in terms of just the overall production, but you just see the way they play. It's like night and day from some of those other lines you've had. I mean, even when it was, you know, Richie there and, you know, insert right winger here, you know, before, uh, you know, you had a typical shift, right? With, with David Creechie. We all know, I think at this point, how David Creechie likes to play, likes to hold on to the puck, likes to slow things down. Problem is, is like, you know, you'd have Richie down low, uh, you either connect on a pass and it would go wide and you, you know, the puck would get out of the zone reset. Now you're seeing a lot of, you know, Craig, you hold onto the puck generating good looks guys are getting into good spots, but also they're recovering pucks, you know, uh, Craig Smith, who I think has been just as key as, as Taylor Hall in that line has been great, uh, along the boards, recovering pucks. Um, I think Taylor Hall what's kind of stood out to me about his game is uh just his speed and obviously you notice it in transition right of he's getting these really clear clean zone entries but he's also using his speed to beat out guys to lose pucks there has been quite a few times where you know a puck is kind of uh you know making its way out to the blue line uh opposing teams getting close to corralling it and all of a sudden he just comes in swoops it in feeds it back down low or holds it up at the blue line lets guys get reset it's not something that Sometimes leads to, you know, points on the scoreboard, but those are the things that tires out the opposition that opens up more chances. And I think you're seeing that with that line. So if that second line gives you that, that scoring that, you know, that ability to tilt the ice in your favor to drain the other team to exploit those matchups, I don't see how you can, if you that second line is not doing enough to help you get to where you need to be because they're going above and beyond that right now.
1: Oh yeah. No. And, and that's the thing again, like, you're getting that consistent production from them. Um, and it again, it feeds into this bigger thing. And you have Mike Riley on D right now, who's playing uh, really well aside from the goal that uh, they dangled McAvoy on, on Sunday. Mike Riley's look great, I mean, Mike Riley has been everything and more um, that they've wanted. He has two points in four games, but even more so, I mean, getting shots through uh, doing things that, again, we were not used to seeing out of left shot defense for this year from the Bruins, not named Matt Groslick, but uh, just, you know, really good play from him. Good job on the top power play unit too. He's fit in really nicely um, to start. I know the numbers aren't amazing uh, right now, but again, he's doing his job at the top of the key. So, you know, you have all these pieces coming together. And, and one of the things I was worried about uh, with this team just a few weeks ago was the goaltending, uh, you know, Tukarask is injured. You got, you know, Yaro Halak. We know what we're going to, you know, you're going to get out of him. Um, we know that he's at the COVID issues. Plus, you know, you saw the last year's playoff run. Like, you you, you know what you're going to get out of luck, and it's a good product, but he's not carrying you to a cup. And I think people who think that, you know, were kind of proven wrong last year. Um, and you had the young guys come in, and it was like, oh, Jesus. You know, what happens now? But Jeremy Swayman looks really damn good. And I know, you know, the th- stuff's happening in Philly with Carter Hart. You don't want to jump too early on these young goalies, um, especially young goalies. You don't want to just, like, thrust them into the starting job. And I think Swayman's cool, like cool, calm and collected enough to like, not freak out at the idea of the starting job. Like he, he's very chill as we've seen. Like he's very unlike any other goalie in that. He's like just a normal dude, yeah. like just loves hockey, loves the fans, like loves getting into it. Um, but I do think that when Halak returns, Swayman has a legit case to be the backup. Now, maybe they want him to continue to developing in Providence, Um, or in Marlboro, but uh, I do think that Swayman has a legit case for, uh, or to be the backup. Do you think that as well?
0: Yeah. I mean, I could see it playing out. I think it's always important to take kind of the pragmatic approach when it comes to the goaltending situation this year, especially, I think that's a conversation for another day that I'm sure we're going to have once we're asking Halak hit UFA status, and we—I'm sure that we'll be discussing that. Many that's why
1: I—that's why I want to oh. save that. I don't want to get yeah. too deep into uh, this.
0: But but yeah, just looking at just the the backup situation, especially, and um, I could see a case where obviously I think you need to get Halak back in. You have to get him in some games potentially. You know, maybe you get him back against one of these games against Buffalo, who granted are playing better, but still, it's Buffalo. Like it's a. a better to ease him in there than against a team like you know the penguins or the, the capitals or something like that um but i could also very well see a situation where you know uh, swayman still gets a starter to whether it's you know back to back or something it's it, it, it's tough to tell a guy who's playing that well to you know just send him back down to providence or marlboro as you said but um i think it's all going to depend on the results too like let's say Halak comes back, and I think it's to be expected. A guy coming off of the COVID list and not playing for a while—if you know he has a so-so game—it's to be expected, right? If he has you know two, three starts, and still he's got like an 880 save percentage or something like that, then maybe you then maybe you take a longer look at it. Whether for this moment right now, going into the playoffs, whether if a guy like Swayman is the backup, who, again. An ideal situation. You don't have to even worry about who's going to be the backup because it's going to be Tuka Rask, right? Like that's yes. the number one issue, but I could see a situation Rask where... Rask is the
1: starter for those yes. who... For yes.
0: Rask is the yes. starter. Tuka, let's, Tuka Rask is the starter, yes. Unless he is hurt, he's going to be the number one goalie in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. Um, but if you go down the stretch and Halak is still really like laboring or struggling, then I think maybe you reassess, but I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people who are going to be very mad when Halak makes his next stat and it's not Swayman, especially if it's a game where they lose, which, again, could happen. You have to expect that for a guy coming teams off the list like that. Yes, teams do lose sometimes. teams do lose. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of very angry people about it, but I, I look at just his overall goalie situation both this year and looking ahead and not to even delve too deep into it, but you kind of talk about Katahat who got – Put into this tough situation, and now he's struggling, and the team is tanking. The Bruins are in a spot that teams that are on kind of the crossroads of goaltending are envious of, right? You've got Duggar Rask, who's still the veteran, the number one guy that probably will probably be back next year. We'll see. But yeah. he's a guy, he's still not, you know, a guy like Pekka Renee, one of these guys who's at the end of their career and is, you know, don't really know if they're still a number one anymore. Um, so, so Rask is a guy that you can still be here for two, three years and still be a legitimate number one, and you have a young goalie in the system that you can develop on your own timeline without rushing him, uh, without you know raising the expectations of handing him the job right away. So they're in a, a better spot than a whole bunch of teams in terms of their goaltending situation now. So uh, if it's a case where Rask and Halak are back and they're playing well and you have Swayman back down in Marlborough, that's good for all parties involved. And if Swayman keeps on playing like this, and he supplants Halak, that's good for the Bruins as well. That means you've got a a damn good prospect who you expect was going to be good, but now, you know, you have to stop putting him in that category as, like, you know, the Spencer Knights or the Askarovs or one of those guys. Like, he's right up there now at this point. You look at just how he's playing, so...
1: I don't think they expected uh, Swayman to have this kind of year even. I don't think no. they expected uh, Swayman to come in this way and do what he's doing. I, I I don't think that this was like in the cards for this year no. at all. I think maybe maybe next year, but not this year. But it's kind of like, you know, again, this was years ago, but Rask. You know, Rask came in in 08-09. I think he had one start that year, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And I think it was a shutout against the Leafs, if I remember correctly. But 9 they had him as the backup. They did not expect him to, I don't think, become the starter. He did become the starter pretty much. That's great. And he was, and then he wasn't the starter for 10 11 or 11 12. And then yep. he became the starter in 12 13. So the goalie timelines are different everywhere. Like, you know, Swayman will still be getting games at the AHL level if he goes down. Um, and you know, if he's up at the NHL level, he'll be getting games there. So with these goalies, a lot of times it's just, are you getting games? Are you getting pucks on you? Are you constantly, you know, playing games? You know, once, twice a week. If it's a yes, then you should be fine. Um, but goalie development is not my forte, so to speak. I'm not goalie Bob. We're not as, goalie as, Bob.
0: As, as Bruce Cassidy usually says, when people ask him about goalies, he immediately deflects to goalie Bob. Yes. But goalie then, Bob but then, is But then, the, but then, but then is gives the his list. answer too, which is always the
1: best. Yes. Yeah. See, Car, Carville at UMass just doesn't get a, goal, a goalie answer. He just says, talk to D Mike, who's the, uh, goalie assistant, uh, or assistant coach who was a former goalie at RIT. Um, but he never, but he never actually answers the question. Just ask him. Cause that's just not his area of expertise, but Cassidy at least, uh, gives the answer. Uh, but yes. So for the first time in a while we can leave a Bruins beat being like, damn Bruins are on the up and up. They're on the come up.
0: They're going to get swept by Buffalo. Now, like I just
1: say they're going to lose three straight to Buffalo. The Rangers are going to pass them because mm. right now they have three straight against Buffalo, which everyone's saying, you know, th- these are not your, th- these are better sabers. Um, these are, not, this, these are not throwaway easy games. This is not going to be easy. Um, and the Rangers are only still four points behind. Again, the Flyers are completely out of it pretty much. So now it's really the Rangers. And that looks like a good team. That Rangers team has been pretty damn good lately. So it's going to be very interesting, interesting to see how the next week plays out, if they can continue to play like this um, and keep that consistency. And as you said, play more to their ceiling. Third line comes around. Fourth line starts to score a few goals here and there. The power play comes back. Guys on D come back. Uh, and I mean, all signs point to that happening. So, uh, we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, before I let you go, Connor, is there anything that you would like to plug?
0: Yeah, we're going to be breaking down. Uh, we have a story coming out today, uh, looking at some underlying stats of things that really stood out to me about, uh, how the Bruins have been faring during this late season turnaround, I guess you can call it now, post-deadline. So we have that running. Uh, obviously, we have a whole bunch of stuff uh, from the series against the Sabres. And maybe you in a little bit of projections down the road as to what to expect maybe once we get to the playoffs, which is right around the corner. It's a lot less than a month now, I think, even though we don't know when exactly it's going to start with the way the, the North Division is looking. So maybe in a month, probably less than a month, hopefully. But... It's getting close, Evan. We're getting really close to playoff hockey once again. So uh, it's an exciting time, to say the least. So all that stuff will be over at bostonsportsjournal.com. So subscribe to BSJ, please. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do it at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
1: Go do all that. For CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Brewers Beat listeners have an amazing rest. Have your week.